You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, I never get too low, but just keep moving. You know, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Don't know where Ace is. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. Starring my man, New Strike City, Ace Boogie. How you doing tonight, Ace? I'm good, man. How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm very, very excited. We're working on this series right now with Pro Football Focus. Um, and we're going to start off tonight talking finances with Brad Spielberger. I'm very, very excited to have this guy here. We talked to him a little bit um, previously before the show, just talking about how do the Bengals match up. But before we do that, Brad, tell everybody where they can find you. Tell them how you're doing tonight. How about that? I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on. It's uh, a beautiful rainy day in Brooklyn, New York. Um, You can find me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad, um, talking about salary cap and contracts and things like that, but also just, you know, talking ball um, on on all 32 teams uh, like we were talking pre-show. No, and you also were um, with over the cap as well, right? That's right. Yep, yep. The uh, the go to salary cap website, overthecap.com. That's facts. That's facts. So getting into it, obviously you said you cover all thirty two teams. Where do you think the Bengals kind of stand financially, just in terms of where they're at with the salary cap? Yeah. So the Bengals are interesting because um, for the longest time, and I know this is probably not news to listeners, but they were kind of known as, as a cheap organization or you know a team that didn't want to spend a ton of money, but um, I think, you know, the addition of Joe Burrow ha- has kind of changed that a bit, and they realize they need to take advantage of this window um, when they have, you know, a good player, a good quarterback on a rookie contract. Um, but because they were cheap for so long, they had all this cap space to work with. Um, you know, they didn't have a lot of bad contracts on the roster, and so they're in a good spot. Um, I put out a, an article last week about kind of ranking all 32 teams and their cap health, and uh, they were in the top 10. They, they were ninth overall. Um, they have a lot of good rookie uh, rookie contract players. Um, they don't. They don't have a ton of huge deals. They give out, you know, some big deals like Trey Hendrickson, you know, Trey Waynes, etc. Um, but nothing, nothing crazy. Nothing that's gonna, you know, break the bank. And and you briefly talked about the rookies um, just now. Like, and now I did go take a look at over the cap too, and it says currently right now that the Bengals currently have 17 mil um, in cap space. I don't know if that's accurate today, July first. I looked at that like probably last week. But in regards to like the rookie contracts, does that include that currently right now? Or is that like, you know, like, is that pending or what's the deal with the rookie uh, contracts in regards to the current cap? cap? Yeah, so that's accurate. And uh, I know Jamar Chase's deal is done. Um, I'm not sure if everyone's deal is done, but those rookie deals, you know, kind of as we talk about, um, they don't don't take up a ton of cap. That's kind of the value. Um, But Jamar Chase's deal is done. That one obviously takes up about five, six mil on this year's salary cap. Um, But, you know, Jackson Carmen, I think they might still be working that one out, but um, you know, d- doesn't take up a ton of money, uh, and they're they're in a great spot. I mean, when you have 
you know, a, a number one wide receiver and a quarterback on a rookie deal, you can you can spend a lot elsewhere. Right. Generally, they do the whole thing with like the cap rollover. So, how do you guys like take that into account? Like, generally, they always take uh, ten million and roll it over to the next year. So, is that something that you guys factor into the cap space, or is is the seventeen million really seven million? Yeah, no. So, so rollover always accounted for. Um, every team's allowed to roll over anything they don't use from the previous year um, beneath the unadjusted salary cap. Uh, yeah, and so the Bengals always make sure to have that cushion during the season. Um, it's smart. You know, you might have to sign someone midseason for an injury or something may come up. Um, they're, they're always a team that's, you know, make sure that they have a little little cushion there. Um, but, yeah, so that, that also includes that, that carryover from last year. And, and you're talking about cushion. Um, we had a, a tackle, a Denigy, go down like the other day. So a lot of Bengals fans are watching guys like the uh, Castro. They're they're watching some guys, uh, you know, that are still out there. Like I've been looking at uh, uh, at Wagner like the whole all season and wondering like what the heck is going on with him. Are there like some guys that you think like I mean, 17 million cash space. Like, are there some guys that are out there that you just that you just know that you're kind of wondering like why are they not been picked up and i guess from a Bengals perspective they're the fans are wondering you know like what is it going to take for them to sign somebody like some more depth at that position because even before identity went down it was still like we all felt like we needed a back like a, a veteran center slash guard like you know kind of like in that uh what is it austin blythe mode or one of those type of guys, you know, like, I don't know. What's the guy that's still, I don't know. Do you have anything that's uh, anybody that you thought wasn't, you know, still out there that the Bengals could afford? Yeah, no, definitely. There, there's a couple guys. Um, you mentioned, you know, interior offensive line. Uh, Austin Ryder was the center with the Chiefs uh, last couple of years. Pretty good player. Um, you know, could start, but also could be, you know, fill a nice depth role. Like you said, they had some issues. They made that trade last year for B.J. Finney. Um, that obviously, you know, wasn't didn't didn't work out great with him. It wasn't a terrible trade by any means, but um, you know, could always use more depth there. I think corner is interesting too. I mean, I like Chidobi Awuzie um, and Trey Waynes, but obviously Waynes didn't play a snap last year, uh, and Awuzie has kind of missed time the last couple of years. So you know, like a Steven Nelson from the Steelers, as you know, the Bengals are familiar with him. He's still out there. I mean, I you know, I don't think Richard. Sherman what kind of what kind of money would Nelson be looking for though? At this point in free agency, I mean, you look at these deals. Like, look at a Morgan Moses, the right tackle with the Jets this past week. You're not Man. getting big money at this point. You know, we had the salary cap drop. It's late, so cash budgets are down. I mean, I I, I would bet a one-year, like, $6, 7000000 million deal for Steven Nelson probably gets it done. So you mentioned that Trey Waynes, you, you like him for this team. A lot of people I, – I would probably say I don't have a problem with Trey Waynes at all, right? But most people have a problem with the money that he was paid. What are just your thoughts on, like, the Bengals with the contracts with their big players and how they, I, I guess, match up with other teams around the league? Are they overpaying or, you know, what are they doing there? Yeah, you know, I think there is a little bit of that. Um, you know, I, I mean, with Waynes, like, he's a good player. He's a former first-round pick. You know, those were successful Vikings teams and very good defenses. But, you know, I do think $14 million a year was a bit much for him. Um, I would say in their defense, though, kind of right after he signed, he was maybe one of the bigger, you know, free agents at corner. Um, and then we saw like the, the Jalen Ramsey deal roll in, the Marlon Humphrey deal roll in. So for all we know, he kind of saw that coming. And um, and, and so even though he signed in, in, a, in a lower market, he really may have said, hey, look, I know these deals are coming in the future that are way above my number. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a little bit rich, but nothing crazy. I would say Trey Hendrickson kind of falls in the same boat. I, I think it was a little bit too much money. 
um, but not so much that it's going to, you know, impact them spending elsewhere or that you, you knock it too much, just maybe, you know, a little bit rich. The, it, you brought up two really, really good points. One is the one that that always comes to my mind when I look at the Trey Wayne's one. Am I just not looking at this correctly? And a lot of fans look at this too. The Byron Jones money at the time, I know you probably don't have this like right in front of you or anything like that. It didn't seem that much of a difference for 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 the number one corner on the market. And then we, you know, Trey Wayne's like you said is a fine player, but like, do you? Do you remember like the the workings of that contract or like yeah. how do those how do those compare? You know, that's a that's a good point. Yeah. So Byron Jones was the top guy that year and got sixteen and a half million per year. Um yeah, right. that's right. So fourteen. Right. Is it that the- simple? Like it's just right. two and a half like it, it it's gotta be something I'm missing, right? I mean, I, I there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, you know, I mean Jones's guarantees were stronger. Um also, you know, he's gonna um, you know, South Beach versus you know, Cincinnati. So maybe there's a little bit of you know, you're, you're trying to sell the player on joining the club. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of his projection. Also, something I always say, too, which is that, look, your draft status never es- escapes you as a player. Trey Wayne's is a top – I think he was the 11th overall pick in the draft. And, and, I, and you, you, you know, we know that doesn't matter once you're a five-year veteran. But it, it, when you hit the market, it still matters. So he's, he's still commanding near top dollar because he says, look, I could, you know, bounce back and be a top corner because I'm – 27 28 years old and i have the athletic ability to be a top you know 12 pick um so you kind of pay for that upside and that potential even if you know maybe it's not really there yeah you players about like, the, go ahead uh, i'm sorry player players like dark place denar who was a former first round i feel like he's still just getting on teams just because of his first round pedigree but before you go into your next question too though ace i'm sorry i had a theory on the hendrickson one too is i i think the Bengals wanted to sign both of them Watch out now. This, you know, <laughs> it gets rough on here. Hey, but look, um, I think that Hendrickson and Lawson, they wanted to do both of them. But when Lawson went to go visit the Jets, I think that's the reason why the Hendrickson uh, money got so high, I think. is That's just my theory. I don't really know. I know people in close to the team that just said that they wanted to sign both. Do you? Is there a world or a scenario that you thought that um, that you think the Bengals could have maybe signed both of them? Yeah, so I I don't think Carl Lawson was too interested in sticking around. Um, that, that's kind of the perception you got. I think there was like some tweet going around that he hadn't spoken to the the, the you know the organization a couple months before free agency. Um, and so I do think that they could have fit both. Um, like you know, we had them on we had them on the show right in that that period. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, then you know, maybe you could reach out, reach back out to him, and, and see what he has to say. But I don't want to put words in his mouth. But uh, but yeah, so I think there was kind of a bit of it was kind of like making sure. Okay, if we're gonna lose Lawson, then we need to make sure we have a guy who can step right in and fill that role. Um, and I think Lawson's better than Hendrickson, but Hendrickson Hendrickson is still a fine player. Um, yeah, they could have paid both. It would have been. Um, you know, not crazy. Um, you know, 15 mil per year for both guys is, is, is a good amount of money. But I mean, you look at teams like, you know, Chicago has Robert Quinn at about 14 and a half and Khalil Mack at 23. So, you know, some teams are spending a lot of money on edge rushers. So it's, but, it's, but would that leave Bengals in cap hell if they were to do that based off of what we know right now? It would have it it not cap hell, but it would have made things tougher for sure. And you couldn't add at other spots. And maybe like, you know, the, the trickle down effect is, you know, let's say a Riley Reef gets cut in Minnesota, then maybe you don't have that money to get him anymore. And so it's kind of stuff like that you have to analyze. So one thing you talked about, like guarantees, and I think even with 
the Byron Jones contract, maybe the Florida lack of state tax comes into effect. So maybe it's actually probably more than Trey Wayne's. But when you talk about guarantees, how are those set up? Because I know some of them are like whether they go to uh, attend workouts, OTAs. Some of them may be Super Bowl escalators. So how do those guarantees exactly work out? Yeah, so the guarantee point is interesting because it's different team to team. And Cincinnati happens to be, you know, unfortunately for me, one of those teams that's different. So you have to kind of look at it differently and analyze it differently. So Cincinnati generally does not guarantee money outside of the signing bonus. Um, and so that is also why sometimes it can be tough for them to land, uh, you know, free agents. Uh, they'll make exceptions for one, you know, one player they made an exception with was Trey Hendrickson. Um, they gave him a roster bonus in the first year. Um, and all these things just hit the cap differently. But, you know, end of the day, it's just guaranteed money. It's, um, you know, it, it's somewhat similar. But yeah, anyway, so since he doesn't like guaranteeing money out in the future, and so there's kind of less assurances for the player, they're less secure, they're going to be on the roster in two, three years down the road. Um, and so that's why sometimes the, the overall values can be higher. Um, but in reality, maybe the deal actually isn't that much um, because Cincinnati could move on earlier on in the process without taking on kind of, you know, you know financial penalties, so to speak. Um, but yeah, the guarantees, it, it's, we could have a whole podcast just breaking down all, you know, all different NFL guarantees. Part of the thing that people were doing, um, I forgot what the term was called this all season, but it got really popular where the void uh, years. Yes. Can, can you, can you kind of explain that for someone that's stupid like myself? Like I'm, I'm really trying to figure out like, what's the difference? Because a lot of people were saying like the woozy deal and stuff. They were like, well, why did they, they, they paid like an extra meal or two meal that they didn't have to, they could have did voyeur. I don't know. Like, so for someone that's unfamiliar with that term, like, can you kind of break that down for me, please? Yeah. So first of all, you're not dumb at all. I think, you know, NFL reporters needed education on this, like during, you know, like during the off season, but yeah, so to, as simple as possible, essentially signing bonuses are beneficial to the team from a salary cap perspective, because let's say you have a $10 million signing bonus over a five-year contract on the salary cap, it'll just be $2 million for e in each year, as opposed to like a salary or a roster bonus, like I mentioned, where that full $10 million would hit in that specific season. So what teams do is they'll, they'll put money into a signing bonus to kind of save themselves upfront cap space. What teams were doing with the void years was they didn't even want the player to actually be under contract for those future years. So they would do like a two-year deal, but add three fake – they were not real years. They were dummy years. And all those years do is hold the signing bonus proration. So same thing, $10 million signing bonus over five years, but it's actually a two-year contract. And so, yes, I'm sure fans said, hey, why aren't we doing this? We can add more players. We can add more talent. That is true. But what happens is when those guys leave the roster, there's still going to be that what we call a dead cap charge where essentially like there's going to be teams in 2023 that have 20, 30 million dollars in cap allocations going towards guys that are not on their roster. Wow. So is that the type of deal that Riley Reef received? I think his deal did have, I believe his deal did have four years where they pushed some money down the line. Um, but yeah, but Cincinnati was not as, you know, like teams like Arizona, like J.J. Watt and, and a bunch of other guys have a ton of them. Um, you know, Philadelphia, New Orleans has been doing it for years now. Um, and yeah, like, like I said, you can add more talent, but it's going to it's going to bite you in the long term. And I think Cincinnati, you know, wants to have a consistently good roster and have, you know, Joe Burrow have talent around him for years to come, not just, you know, right now. So we also talk about the talent around him and contracts that are upcoming. People are primarily looking at Jesse Bates and Sam Hubbard. 
given the situation that they have now with the 17 million in cap space, you know, what do you project those contracts to really look like? Yeah, two really interesting situations because I think this season's huge for, for both of them. Um, they've been solid players. And then I think Bates last year took that really big step. And, you know, I mean, he was PFF's number one safety. Um, obviously, you know, you know, had some honors during the season and, and earned a lot of respect around the league. But I do think some some teams will want to see him you know, do that again um, and kind of replicate that performance. If he does, if he has another season like that or, or close to it, then I think he could get in the conversation for that top of the market at safety. Um, you know, right now it's around 15 million per year is the highest paid safety. Justin Simmons in Denver. Um, you know, like I said, if he has another year like last year, he maybe could ask for that range. If not, I could see him come in in the 10 to 12 range, you know, still very good money, um, but not, you know, way up there at the top. Um, and then Sam Hubbard, I think it's, he's more of a guy where really solid player. Um, but I don't like, he's not a great as a pass rusher. He's a really good run defender, sets the edge. Well, you know, occasional pass rush, but it's not his forte. I think he's more in like the like 10 million to like, you know, maybe upside of 12, 13 million per year, um, depending on how the season goes this year. Kind of like a Shaq Lawson or a Emmanuel Ogba, like a good like secondary edge edge presence. Um, they're kind of in that range as well. Zim, you still with us? Oh, I think he's frozen. Right. I, think, I think Zim has, has frozen. So while uh, we continue here, uh, one of the questions that we had is, uh, what teams have the best cap situations and which teams have the worst, in your opinion? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think a lot of these teams that have these, you know, young dudes and, and a lot of talent, you know, on rookie contracts. So Cincinnati's in that conversation, but I think Denver really stands out. Um, you know, of course, they don't have a quarterback, a good quarterback, but if you look at that roster, it's a really talented roster at so many spots, um, you know, a ton of receiving weapons, a really, really, really good defense. Um, and they still have a lot of cap space going forward um, so they can afford to, you know, if they need to extend a Bradley Chubb on, on the edge or extend Cortland Sutton at wide receiver, um, they'll still have room to go. So they're they're kind of up there in that, you know, really upper echelon of, of healthy teams. Um, I think the Browns are also in that mix. Um, they have a ton of deals coming up. Obviously, you know, you got Baker Mayfield, you have Nick Chubb, um, you know, right. Denzel Ward, like a lot of guys do need money. Uh, Wyatt Teller at right guard. But, you know, they still they have, they have a lot of cash space because they were so bad for so long and, and kind of never spent money. So those teams are in great spots. So as uh, I actually want to know about this one, because obviously with the Browns being in the division, I've kind of said that once they have to pay Baker, a lot of stuff is going to change. Right. Is that something that you foresee? And are there other players that you foresee them not being able to keep once they sign Baker to that mega deal? Yeah, I mean, that, that's when it gets really interesting. So, like, when you go from, you know, your, your quarterback, the most expensive position in football by a lot, you know, making like eight, nine million per year to then making, and I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. He's going to start making about 40 million per year. Exactly. Um, I, I know he's not as good as those guys at the top of the market. That's just how it goes. I mean, he's a number one overall pick quarterback, and he's good enough. You know, he's a top, whatever, 15, top 20 quarterback in the NFL. Um, you know, led him to the playoffs last year. And, and look, I, I don't think he's, you know, I don't think maybe he's worth that, but that's just how that goes at that position. Um, yeah, it, it gets tough. It gets tough. You know, like, you know, Nick Chubb gets interesting. Um, I think they want to keep Nick Chubb, but he gets interesting. I mentioned Wyatt Teller at guard. You know, they're already spending money at right tackle, so maybe they kind of save some money at right guard. Um, yeah, and then defense as well. I mean, Miles Garrett's making $25 million per year, you know, and he and he deserves every penny, every penny of that. But, you know, do you keep Jadavion Clowney after the season? Probably not, or, you know, maybe not. Um, yeah, it starts. It starts to get tough. You'll, we'll see it with Burrow in a couple of years as well. It, things get tougher once you got to pay that man his his top dollar. 
circling back really quick because my internet just totally gave out. Um, <laughs> just going back to Jesse Bates and the Sam Hubbard one. It's been rumored that those contracts are probably going to come like as early as like this upcoming, you know, like training camp, right? If you were, you know, uh, uh, if you were going to sign that or make that contract right now, you said PFF had him listed as like the number one safety. Would you feel comfortable making him uh, the number one paid safety in the National Football League? Uh, probably not. 15 I, I, I mean, here's the though. So here's the thing about safety, which is interesting, is that we at PFF think it's a really valuable position, um, and it's one of the kind of lower in terms of money one of the lower position markets in the entire NFL. So when you look at it from that perspective, like, you know, giving him 15, let's say 15 and a half million per year or whatever, 15.25. Um, it's a lot of money. And, and I, I don't know that he's, you know, deserving of the top contract at the position, but you have, you know, Jamal Adams is going to blow that out of the water in the next couple months here. Marcus Williams in New Orleans on the franchise tag will also surpass that number. You know, Marcus may on the franchise tag with the jets will probably surpass that number. So the the argument I would make if I was the be, if I was uh, his agent I would say hey look you you might even be right he's probably more closer to worth you know twelve or thirteen million but if you lock him in now get it done at fifteen point two five he'll be the sixth highest paid safety in the NFL in in, in, a, in two months and then it'll look like a good deal you know in comparison okay because it it kind of confused me too because I'm gonna tell you this is this is something probably for some of your colleagues PFF all year had him listed as the number one safety. Then the top 50 comes out, and he's like the fourth or fifth ranked safety. And I could not figure out, like, and I think Sam Monson, I think he does most of, uh, on the article that I'm talking about. I don't know if it's like an opinion thing or whatever, but. It's a projection, right? It's okay. So it, it, it's also, it's not just based on the past season. So, like, you know, you got to take into a couple seasons before into account. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if he, if he does what he did last year again, then he'd probably be the number one safety on the list. But. Um, yeah, it, it takes into account probably two or three years. And yeah, also, as they said, like, it's a little bit of a proje projection as well. So, you know, we might think, hey, you know, uh, you know, Jamal Adams did not have a good year for us last year. But in 2019 and 2018, he was one of our highest safeties, um, you know, and maybe he, he does that again. And then, he, you know, he kind of jumps up again. Um, but yeah, so I, I get the gripe. I'll, I'll pass the message along to Sam. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not an opinion. It's all based on our numbers and everything. But it's just, um, you know, a couple years body of work. Okay. So in terms of the long term, obviously I'm I'm wearing this shirt right here. Uh, the Bengals ended up with a good trio of wide receivers. We also know the wide receiver position is extremely expensive. So looking forward, how does Jamar Chase affect the contract potentially of when Tyler Boyd is up or when T Higgins is due for a new contract? How long can they keep these three guys together? It's a great question. Um, you know, I, Boyd is on a great deal. Um, even even ignoring kind of that situation, you know, he, yes, he's a slot receiver and they tend to get less money. Um, but, you know, it's still a, a good value contract for where he's at. Um, the thing about it is, is that, you know, those guys come up for a new deal before or well, at least, you know, Higgins will be eligible for an extension before Chase is. Um, it does get tricky. It does get tricky I, because what happens is when you're on a team and, you know, the guy behind you gets kind of gets re-upped and gets more money than you. This, we saw this happen in Minnesota, for example. Like, Stephon Diggs got a, an extension in 2018, well-deserved, probably deserved more than he got. He got about $14.5 And then Adam Thielen comes in and has, you know, a couple really good seasons and surpasses Diggs. And, and look, I, I think Diggs is better than Thielen. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think that. Both very good, no question. But 
right away he was not happy. I mean, he it was the it was the offseason after Diggs had signed, and he said, Well, I'm the best receiver on this team. Like, I know I just signed, but I don't care. Like, I can't not be the highest paid receiver on this team. Um, so it does get interesting. I mean, can they afford all three? Yeah, they can. It would be really expensive. Um, you know, it depends obviously how good um, you know, Higgins. Higgins looks like a really good player, and if he continues to play that well. And if Chase is kind of what we expect, it could, they could be spending a lot of money at receiver. Um, and then, you know, maybe Boyd kind of falls out and they can only afford two of them. Um, but, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I know it's not really a direct answer. It's going to be interesting because th- these guys like to be the highest paid of their position if they think they deserve to be. The only – I, w- I was trying to think of somebody to compare that to. That the, the closest comparison I could see right now, but I guess Claypool is still on his rookie contract. is like Juju coming back. And, and then you got the three, and then Deontay, you know, like, say he has a pretty good season this upcoming year. Like, I'm just trying to think of, like, who who's somebody that's currently playing, that's paying three good receivers, like, real money? Really, no one is. I think that's the right? best example to look at for you guys will be how Dallas handles Michael Gallup coming up for a deal, you know, after this season. He's in his last year. And then C.D. Lamb, obviously, has two years before he's going to probably ask for top dollar. And it's like, I don't think Dallas – Michael Gallup's a very good player. Don't get me wrong. But I think he is the third best receiver on the team. Right. They've already spent a lot of money on – Amari Cooper's making $20 million a year, and they have expensive – you know, Dak's making forty and all these other guys. I don't see how they pay Michael Gallup and then pay C.D. Lamb as well uh, unless they unless they move on from Amari, I guess, before C.D. Lamb's money is due. But, I mean, Amari Cooper's a very good player. So it's, that's the one I would watch kind of to gauge how, how they handle that. All right, and one the, another question, I guess, like going around the league or whatever, like just to kind of just to give Bengals fans a little bit of perspective or whatever, like, are what are some teams that you feel as though right now, like, are probably like in some of the best spaces as far as salary cap wise goes, and what are some teams that you feel like are in the worst? Because the average Bengals fan, like you said, we still kind of walk around with this whole Mike Brown's cheap. Uh, they do a terrible, uh, terrible job of signing guys or whatever. Like, and I know you were saying like we're top ten cap space or whatever. But like, are there some teams that really stick out to you because you study this? He but did kind of. He did kind of answer that earlier. Oh, I was like when I did the <laughs> when, <laughs> when, he, when I yeah when the internet yeah he answered that. So he said the Broncos and he mentioned some other teams, Cleveland as well. Okay, sorry about Chargers that, guys. too. I'll throw the Chargers in there as well. Yeah, I did. I touched on that a little bit. But yeah, the Chargers as well are in a good yeah, spot. Chargers. <laughs> yeah, you you missed that one. <laughs> All right. No, I was going like, God, man, because I hate the Chargers now. Like, oh like, yeah, constantly it's just Herbert versus Burrow. So it's yeah. just like I feel like Burrow's like my my cousin or something, and I got a rep <laughs> for him all day. And everybody's telling me how good Herbert is, and I'm just like, well, you should have saw my cousin for ten weeks. It was so damn good. And they're like, yeah, shut up. You he plays for the Bengals. You know. <laughs> one one last thing I want to ask forward. you, Brad, just to yeah. be respectful of your time is. Like in Madden, would you be in a salary cap czar? Do you feel like that stuff is accurate? Do you like try to put your GM hat on and make like the best team for the money? Or are you just cashing guys out? I love that question. So I know that the uh like the actual I've never gotten that one. I've done a lot of these shows. I love that. So they do get like accurate info for like the current season. Um, but I know that like the trades are like not not really super accurate and like the the extensions, you can't, you can't extend a guy early. You have to wait till he's a free agent, which is not like realistic. I know, I mean, I'm sure it's very difficult. I'm not trying to like, you know, like uh, rag on that. You should do it one but... day. You should just simulate like a whole season and just be like, you'd probably be so pissed and be like, this is so fake. <laughs> I, do, I, I do. I'm 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 weird like that though. Like I do. I, I'm so into like the roster construction and, and, and like looking at things like that. 
Um, I definitely do try to like keep that in mind and like, oh, I'm going to try to make sure my team is like, you know, we're balanced. We're spending money on offense and defense, like all that stuff. I guess I'm weird and, like and, that. And they're like 0-17, but like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> they're like 0-17, but we're like, goddamn, we got some cash for next right, year. Right, we're yeah, <laughs> we're turning it around though. All right, so you've been so generous with your time, man. Just let everybody know if they didn't catch it at the beginning of the, the show where they could find you and um, check out your stuff. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys again for having me on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Um, and I'm putting out content on the site um, pretty regularly. Obviously, it's the offseason right now, so it's it's kind of my time a little bit. Um, so, you know, breaking down rosters, projecting guys are going to get better, projecting the, the money coming in. Um, and then, yeah, overthecap.com, uh, it should be your go-to if you want to look up stuff like this and learn a little bit about the salary cap. It's got everything there. Um, you know, the Bengals page has every guy, you know, everything listed out. And it's, it can be cool to kind of see, you know, what the inner workings of a, of a, of a roster. No, appreciate that, Brett. If, and, and I just want you to know, too, if you ever come to Cincinnati, one of our sponsors, Midwest Barbecue, please check them out. I don't know if you're into barbecue, but the best chicken wings in town, Ooh. please check them out. Come, You're going to have to come to PFF at some point. Yeah. So Mid Midwest Barbecue, my guy Tim over there, he will make sure that you're good over there. Also, by the time you get halfway in the season, that shirt that Ace has on right now, you'll probably be looking for that because I know he's a bear. Hey, you guys, he's a Bears fan, which means he's a Dalton fan. But, <laughs> <laughs> but before the season's over, you're going to probably want this monument right here. So you got to go to New Strike City if you haven't, or if you know a Bengals fan, let them know that's where they can get that shirt at because in a couple of weeks, or actually a couple months, it's going to be worth a lot of money because we're about to rip up the NFL. Facts. 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 <laughs> well, uh, Brad, time. we appreciate you for, for hanging with us. And Zen, we're going to have to end this with a yes. Sersky. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. You know, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports, man.